Good morning, guys. How you all doing this morning? Good. Hey, do you guys remember um, the movie Fugitive, The Fugitive? It came out a while back now with Harrison Ford. And if you all remember, you haven't seen the movie, it's a great movie, but if you remember, you've seen it, you've got Harrison Ford who plays his doctor, and he's accused of killing his wife. And I remember when I was watching it throughout the movies, I was just thinking, I oh, poor dude, because this guy didn't kill his wife. And everybody accused him of doing that, and he was a fugitive. He was on the run from people who wanted just to capture him for something he didn't do. And I'm like, throughout the movie, hi, pobrecito, leave him alone. And, and it reminds me of the narrative we're going here today. We, we're looking at the life of David, and David is on the run. He, like Harrison Ford, is a fugitive. This crazy king, King Saul, is after him, and I'm feeling what I felt for Harrison Ford. Pobrecito, leave the guy alone. He didn't do anything. We are in the middle of a, a series called Just Lead, and, and we are seeing that. We're seeing how David, having done nothing wrong at all, is being pursued by this king, King Saul, the king of Israel, just out of anger, just out of hatred. So if you guys haven't been with us, let me bring you up to speed of where we're at. we got Samuel, uh, the prophet anointed by God, the first priest of Israel as well. And God tells Samuel, I want you to go to this guy. His name is Jesse. And, and one of those kids of Jesse's is going to be my future king of Israel. So Samuel goes and meets, his up, meets up with this guy, Jesse, and he says, let me meet your children, your boys. And Jesse lines them up, and Samuel goes down the line saying, nope, that's not him. That's not God's anointed one. Nope, that's not him. And then he asks Jesse, is there anyone else? Is, are these all your boys? And Jesse says, well, there's one more, the youngest one, but he's, he's just a shepherd boy. Bring him, Samuel says. And as soon as Samuel meets this young shepherd boy whose name is David, he says, this is God's anointed and then we forget about David for a little, about, for a little bit. And so one day we, we are reading that the Israelites are facing off with the Philistines. They're arch enemies. And they're about to go into combat. And you have this big dude, Goliath. And he goes in the middle of the field and dares the Israelites, who wants to come and fight me? I dare you. And if you come and beat me, we will serve you. But if I beat you, he tells the Israelites, you will serve us. And everybody's freaking out, all scared. All the, all the Israelites are scared, even King Saul. And along comes this young shepherd boy, David, and says, I'll do it because God is with me. So sure enough, he goes and meets Goliath, gets a slingshot, and whoop, knocks him out, kills him right then and there. And all the Israelites are celebrating, yeah, we've done it. We've killed the big Goliath. David has done it for us. And Saul says, I want to meet this kid, David. So sure enough, he comes and he meets him and David becomes a national sensation. Everybody is just cheering for this young guy, David. And Saul says, I want you to come and live with me at the palace. I want you to be my commander in chief. I want you to marry my daughter. And David is, is thrilled and he goes out and we, we read that he goes and he kills other, he wins other battles for, for King Saul. But then one day, King Saul starts going a little cocoa for cocoa puffs. A little crazy. He gets really jealous because he realizes, hey, you know what? My people like this guy David more than they do me. So he goes crazy with anger, with jealousy. And from that day forward, he does nothing else but pursue David and want to kill him. And we're going to pick up the story here today. He's got, Saul has about 3,000 men, these ninja warriors, just to go and kill David. And I want us to look at two very important things today. Two things that we're going to really just single out or point out. First of all, we're going to see how David is able to discern God's will 
with his desires. We're going to see that David has the opportunity to, king, to kill King Saul right then and there, but he doesn't. He's able to say, wait a second, is this really what God wants or is it just something that I want? He's able to discern between the two. And then we're going to see why. Why is David able just to hold back from his desires? Why is David able to wait on God's timing? So those two things we're going to point out today. We're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 24, looking at the whole chapter. And I encourage you guys to, to grab your Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, grab one beneath your chair. And as always, we're going to have the scripture up on the board behind me to follow along. 1 Samuel chapter 24, the page numbers on your worship guide from the Bible beneath there. Let me, let me open this up in prayer and then we'll dig into God's word today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that you've given us your word, that you've given us the ability to just to open up and hear from you whenever we want, Father. But unfortunately, Father, we don't, we don't do that often. And when we do, we just do it out of ritual. We don't really listen to you. So, Father, maybe today is the day you're asking us to stop and listen, to hear from you, to hear for, for what you want us to be, who you want us to become, and to realize that you are amazing, Father. So, Father, let our, let our hearts be changed today and let your word penetrate us. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 24 opens up like this. It says, when Saul returned for following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats' rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. I got to stop here for just a minute. Can you believe it? This is awesome. I mean, I find it very amusing. Why would the author bring in such details? Here you have the king of Israel, and he's telling us that he needs to take a potty break. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I liked it. Verse 4. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord. The Lord's anointed. Put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his ways. So let me summarize again. Let me, let me just draw a bigger picture. Let me just draw a picture for you guys. So here we have, you know, King Saul, the Israelite king, with 3,000 men, and he's walking along, pursuing David. And he says, oh, my goodness, the coffee kicked in. Time out, time out. Oof. I'm going to go into this cave real quick. You all chill for a little bit. So he goes into the cave, and he's doing his business. And all of David's men are like, are you kidding me? He's here. He's, he's vulnerable, David. Go kill him. This is, this is a sign from God. What else do you want? He could have picked any other caves, and he picked this one. David, go get it. And David's like, man, you're right. So he goes very quietly, probably covering his nose, and he's gathering up behind him. He grabs the robe. He tears a piece off of it and says, no. And he comes back. And David's men are like, are you what? 
You just cut off his robe. Here is your opportunity. You know that this guy is a murderer. You know that if you do it right here, right now, we'd be freed. We didn't have to be going from cave to cave hiding. What are you doing, David? And David says, no, it's not God's will. This is my first point to you guys. I must be able to distinguish between my desires and God's will. I must be able to distinguish between my desires and God's will. Will, this is so important, church. We do this all the time. Listen, this is of utmost important. It, it, it says this. It, 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 God's telling us that it's easy for us to confuse our desires with the will of God. It's easy for us to confuse our circumstances with the will of God. And David is able to realize to distinguish between the both. He knows that that is not the will of God. He knows that at this moment, at this particular moment, Saul is the anointed king of Israel and his time is not yet look what he says look what his people say first people are saying look David you're understanding this wrong this has got to be a sign of God and, and the people say this to to David in verse 4 he says here is the day of which the Lord said to you behold I will give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as you shall seem good to you and then David says wait is that really what God is saying or are we confusing it because David knows that really the enemy is not Saul. When God promised David that the enemy would deliver, be delivered in his hand, he was talking about the Philistines. See, David doesn't hate Saul. And David knows God's word and says, time out, guys. We're just in the heat of the moment. This is just our desire. I am not going to kill the anointed one of God. And David knows this. Look what he says in verse 6. The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord. The Lord's anointed to put on my hand against him. Seeing he is the Lord's anointed. He repeats himself. This is not my time. David knows that one day he's going to be the king. But this is not the way or the time to do it. He's able to distinguish between the both. And we don't do that enough. As a matter of fact, we confuse God's will with our circumstances, with our desires. You get a, a credit card in the mail and you tell your wife, oh, wow, $5,000. We got credit for $5,000. And you know what, babe? I was at Best Buy the other day. And guess what? The TV that I wanted for $5,000 is on sale for $4,999. I mean, this is a sign from God. I need to buy it. And you know what? The Cowboys, they're in the Super Bowl this year. Everything is lining up. Wait a second. Time out. Bad, 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 bad. Let me tell you this, guys. If the Cowboys make the Super Bowl, it is a sign from God because it's a miracle, all right? <laughs> we confuse the fact that I met this guy. Some women say, I met this guy at work and he prays before we eat. And he, he understands me, my, hu my husband now. He doesn't pay any attention to me. He never prays. But this guy... This guy makes me happy. Maybe it's a sign from God to leave my husband and be with this guy who makes me happy. Everything is aligning up that way. How? Was it a coincidence that I met him? No. See, we need to step back and see, what does God say about our finances? Does he want us to spend more than we make? What does God say about our marriage? Does he want us to leave our spouse so we can be happy? Or does God want us to, to work out our marriage and commit to the ones that he's 
united with us for life. We need to be able to distinguish between the both. Now, God speaks to us. Don't get me wrong. God speaks to us, and, and it's all over his word how he speaks to us. I mean, think about it. He's, he spoke to Moses, the burning bush. He, he, spoke, he spoke to Abraham and Jacob with an audible voice. He told Abraham, get up and move. God's never spoken to me with an audible voice. And I'll be honest, if I hear from God that way, I freak out. I'll just be real honest. But God can speak to us how he wants to speak to us. He put writing on the wall. He uses angels. He uses dreams. He uses people. But we're not able to discern when God is speaking to us. Man, God used a donkey. Yes, a burro. Read it. Numbers. He used a donkey to speak to this guy Balaam. I think God's using a donkey to speak to you now here at Grace Bible Church. <laughs> My point is that God speaks when he wants, how he wants. And I love what Rick Warren, he, he made a list of the way God speaks to us now. And there's a, a huge list. And, and I picked out three that I feel are the most important on how God speaks to us now. And, and here are some of the Three ways that God speaks to us now. You can write it down in your notes. I think you have a, a space for them. So we need to be able to distinguish between our desires and when God's speaking to us. And my first point is this. Is God speaks through his word, the Bible. God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. This is the clearest and the most often way God speaks to us. It's right here. Every single thing that God wants to tell us is here in his word. Look what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All we need to know about God and who he is and who he wants us to be and how to act is here in his word. And David knew that. David knew the scriptures. David knew that if he would kill Saul right then and there, it would be murder. But we need to know when God is speaking to us, we need to know what God says for us to be able to discern between his will and our desires. So God speaks to us through his word. The second way that God speaks to us is that he speaks to us through prayer, through quiet time. He speaks to us when we're just still and listen to him. You see it all over his word. God says, be still and know that I am God. Take some time to just sit and be in his presence. Feel the Holy Spirit within you. Job 33, 14 says this. For God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. God's saying, look, I speak to you all the time in many ways. But you, you never perceive it, maybe because you're too busy. You're all over the place. You don't have any, enough time for God. You have a, a to-do list, and God is way at the bottom all the time. You're not able to just sit back and pray and listen to the Holy Spirit and, and just listen to him. I, I tell you this all the time, guys, that I am so imperfect, but the more I get into God's word and the more I obey him, he blows my mind. Recently, I don't know if you guys recall, I, I talked about it in a sermon about our desires. Recently, my wife and I were ready to, to build a pool. 
We've been wanting a pool for a while and we're ready to go. Uh, we met this guy who was highly recommended, real nice guy. We got a good price. The guy came over. He did the outline uh, on, the, on the floor in the backyard for us. I would say just sit there on the grass pretending I was in the pool already. I was excited. I bought my floaties. My wife and I went to the pulga. We had picked out furniture for the pool. I mean, we were there. We had the finances. But I'd stop and I'd pray and I just prayed. And every time I pray and I was in his presence, something, the Holy Spirit was telling me, don't. Not yet. It's not your time. It's more a desire. Wait. And I see now that if we would have gone with that purchase, we would have been in a little bit of trouble. Because I didn't foresee that there's other things that come with purchasing a pool. I didn't foresee a big finance crisis that we came into recently. But we, take, we took care of it because I listened to God. I stopped and I obeyed and I heard from him. But we're too busy. And then we're so busy chasing foolish things that one day we get sick. We end up in the hospital because of stress. Our relationship with our spouse is broken because we're chasing things that don't matter and we leave what matters behind. And then God says, okay, are you ready? Will you listen to me now? Will you take a moment and be in my presence and hear what I have to say? Maybe God's speaking to you right now and, and he's saying, take some time from me. Listen to what I have to say. Like I said, when you... When you take a moment and just pray, the Holy Spirit will convict in you. The Holy Spirit will tell you, talk to him or her about the gospel. Invite them to church. If it's right and it's hard to do, it's a Holy Spirit prompting you to do it. Church, we need to take some time and make God a priority. And lastly, God speaks through us through his church, the body of believers. He speaks to us through his church. And that's why we encourage or we push small groups so much because when you come together in a small group, you just build relationships that are forever. You're able to speak truth unto one another. You're able to hold each other accountable. You're able to, to, to just tell somebody, hey, you're messing up. Spend some more time with your wife. Hey, don't purchase this boat. You're not ready for it. And church, if you don't have someone that can speak truth into you or you speak truth into them, then I highly encourage that you find somebody because we need to surround ourselves with godly people that could give us godly wisdom. Proverbs 12, 26 says this, one who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. If you're in this walk alone, then it's easier for you to be led astray. God wants you to be in communion with other believers and hold each other accountable to strengthen each other and to move forward in your walk with Christ. Back to the story. Verse 8. Afterward, David also rose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My Lord, the King. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed his face to the earth and paid homage. That's awesome. Here you have David who who is being pursued by King Saul, and still he shows respect to him and says, my Lord, my King, and, and bows down before him. That we should all be like him. 
And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of the men who say, behold, David seeks you harm? Why do you listen to gossip? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And, son, and some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hands. For the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of ancient says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. So Saul comes out, I mean David comes out after Saul and Saul's walking away with his men and David yells out, my Lord, my king. And I'll picture this. David is risking his life. He's risking his men's life because as soon as they find out that David is there, they could easily go and kill him. But, but he risks his life to, to plea his point. He says, my Lord, my king, I know you were in the cave and I could have killed you. And he pulls out a corner of his robe and says, here's a sign. Here's a sign that I could have killed you. Here's a sign of my mercy to you and I didn't do it. Because there's nothing in me that wants to do harm to you. Who am I? Why do you want to kill me? Why do you want to listen to those liars and to tell you that I'm harmful? You are God's anointed. He had every right, but he didn't. And David is showing Saul his mercy. David is able to distinguish his desires and God's timing. This is my second point to you guys, is this. I must trust and wait for God's timing, for his timing. I must trust and wait for God's timing. Again, David knows that one day he's going to be king. But David's saying, I'm no one to judge. I'm no one to, 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 to be in God's hands and put me king before it's his time. Look what he says in verse 12. He says, may the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. We just saw this last week. David probably just finished writing Psalm 52 in the cave, and he knows that he can trust God. He knows that one day God is going to right all wrong, and it's not up to him, and he's leaving it in God's hand. David trusts in God's steadfast love. He knows. He understands. And that's why he's able to hold back and not do what he thinks is right. I love the way a commentary puts it. It says this. It says, it is only by waiting on God and by pursuing God's purpose in God's ways with God's timing that you experience God's blessing. That's so true. And David knew this truth. David acted upon this truth. So then Saul, we're going to read how he responds to, to David's speech. 
Saul says this in verse 16. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt with me, and that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you should surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And, that, and David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. So Saul turns back, and, and he's crying, it seems, this is David, my son, and he confesses to his men and confesses to David's men. He confesses to everybody there. He says, you know what? Now I know that one day you are going to be king. You are the Lord's anointed. And he pleads David. He says, please do not cut me off. Do not cut off my family. Do not cut off my offspring, he says. Do not hurt us when you are king of Israel. And then David again shows him. The proof of his mercy. See, the sad thing is this, that Saul didn't change his ways. We're going to see next week, as a matter of fact, in chapter 26, we're going to see that David has an, another opportunity to kill Saul. We're going to read that Saul's asleep with his men and he's got his spear next to him. And, and David could have gotten his spear and just killed him right then and there. But again, David shows mercy to Saul. There was a greater David who showed even bigger mercy to us. His name is Jesus. And if we look back and we can see this story, there's a lot of comparisons between David and the greater David, Jesus. See, like David, Jesus was on the run for three years. He was sought after. He wanted, they wanted to kill Jesus. But unlike David, Jesus was not a sinner. David was a sinner, but Jesus was perfect. The Bible tells us that he was tempted in every way but did not sin. But yet people were after him. Like David, Jesus had the opportunity to just end his pain, end anything, any torture that he might end up doing. We read in the, in the gospel how, how Satan tempts Jesus in the desert and says, look, why are you going through this thing? You can have all this now. You can have all the kingdoms. You don't need to go through this pain. Just bow down before me. And Jesus said no. He was able to distinguish God's will. And he, he knew to say no, that is not how it's going to go down. We also read in the gospel that before Jesus was arrested, the soldiers came and one of his apostles got a knife and cut off one of the soldiers' ear. And Jesus says, no, nah, I must go. This is the Father's will. I must do what he says I must do. And he says this, don't you know? In the snap of my fingers, he says, I can get 12 legions of angels down here and we can end this right now, right here. But no, Jesus was willing to go and sacrifice to show us mercy. See, like, like David showed Saul mercy, and he showed him his proof by the robe of Saul. says, look, this is my mercy to you. 
God shows us mercy. And the proof is at the cross. Our robe is there at the cross. Church, we need to understand this truth, not just the head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. When we understand that we deserved, like Saul deserved death, we deserve spiritual death. But God, through his mercy, through his son Jesus Christ, said, I'm going to put the wrath that belongs to you, that belongs to me, on my son. So that we can enjoy the fulfillment, eternity, with our Father. Let's pray.